Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, brought to you by Apex Race Manager. Choose your race strategy, optimize your car, and race to win the championship. Today's episode is called Nando, Why You So Sad? I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Jake Sanson. How's it going, Jake? I am doing really, really well, Spanners. Thank you so much for inviting me back on your show again. Well, I know for a fact you have been to Monza, and I want your opinion on that, because it's still something a little bit special, a festival of speed, and and it's like the anti-Monaco for me. It really has, yeah. I've not been in a professional capacity, but I have been in a fan capacity, and it is just such an incredible place to go. It's like a religion to the people in that part of the world, motor racing, and it's incredible just how people get involved in it. Amazing. It doesn't compare to anywhere else in the world. They did seem like really passionate, and as Lewis said, it's almost like a football crowd with their passion, and you've got to admire that. I suppose it is the closest to, yeah, a proper football crowd and they really do love it. And from this year, particularly with Liberty Media putting on a fantastic like karting thing on the main straight in front of all those football fans. Oh, man, that was just I had to comment on it live when it was on Facebook Live. I just wrote very simply, Liberty Media, we love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's just incredible. We need more of that stuff in F1. They've definitely changed Formula One and hopefully long term. It's a good thing. And I was hinting really, really heavily to my wife because it's my birthday on Wednesday that she should send me on a surprise weekend to Monza to watch the Grand Prix. Unfortunately, instead uh, for my birthday, I got to take my kids to a theme park. Lucky me. Yeah, I I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I suppose it depends on how good a father you are. Yeah, bad thing. Not very good dad. We are are an independent podcast hosted by MissedApexPodcast.com. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. This show is safe for work. We keep it clean here so you can play this with kids in the background or at work. We have some guests on this week. We have Chris Rainbow Sparkle Stevens. How's it going, Chris? Hey, how's it going? 
Good. You're a busy man and you nearly cried off because you were ill. Millennials, thinking everything is death. Oh, excuse me for getting food poisoning at the weekend. Ah, oh, too much information. Sorry about that live stream. Uh, another pathetically young person alongside him is Ryan Ferret Ferris. Yeah, I'm back. Now, you actually genuinely were ill and in hospital, so it's quite good to see you up and around. Welcome back, Ryan Ferris. Yeah, it was uh, very frustrating that I missed uh, my last attempt at being on the podcast. We'll let you off. Not like Chris. Not just like Chris with the snivels or something like that. Actually in hospital with a wristband and everything. And looking after the live stream today is a patron and quiz victor of last week, Nick Alexander. How are you doing there, Nick? Doing very well. And I think I've added that quiz victor line to my Twitter description. That's fair. To double check. Yeah, you earned it, man. And uh, you are going to be looking after the chat room for us today and picking out comment of the week for us. But you are a Ferrari fan. But even this week, you must have been considering becoming a Lewis Hamilton fan. He was that good. No, I was actually considering becoming a Lance Stroll fan. Thought he did very well this weekend. He did well for a little while, didn't he? He did. And a big hello to the live chat room. If you want to join the live chat, why not go to YouTube? and search for Missed Apex Podcast. Click subscribe and then click the little bell on our profile. You'll get a notification every time we go live. Speaking of Lance Stroll, wow, Jake, that really was the standout of qualifying, wasn't it? To see the young Canadian starting from the front row of the grid. The front row. Do you know what? We were down at Butmore Park this weekend and we caught the end of qualifying at the end of one of the practice sessions. And we looked at the front row of the grid and we said, oh, Lewis Hamilton's on pole. And we said to everybody in the paddock, guess who is on the front row with Lewis Hamilton? And I bet you, you will not be able to guess who's there. And literally everybody in the paddock is there going, uh, Ocon? No. Close. Uh, Raikkonen? No. Uh, Vettel? No. Bottas? No. You genuinely couldn't make it up. It has to actually happen for it to be real. So it's great. You know, he put in a fantastic lap. It's the wet conditions, so you can't really tell whether that's his talent or he just happened to read a good lap in the right position. Even Williams came out at the end of qualifying and said, we don't know why we're quick. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how much you read into it, but obviously it's really great. And it's another record broken youngest ever front row starter. He beat Verstappen's record by 23 days, which has basically made Max Verstappen incredibly angry. Why? Yada. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's really, really irritated with Lance Stroll for taking the one, one of the records that he will never, ever lose, which he's just lost. Which is quite funny because Lance Stroll took it off him. And that's the funniest joke of the whole weekend for me. A very accurate Max Verstappen impression there. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think you're being a little, you're selling him a little short because it wasn't just one lap he poked in at the end. He was consistently fast throughout qualifying. Oh, yeah, he was consistently fast. But again, Williams have no idea why that is. So they haven't actually got any data that suggests why he should be at the front end or why Massa should be relatively close to him. Uh, Hang on a minute. I think the biggest uh, thing. Don't worry, Chris will know. Chris, why was he fast? Because maybe he's actually talented and not the waste of space everybody thought that he was at the second he was signed up by Williams. All right. So uh, one good qualifying, one good qualifying, <laughs> no, and that's no. it. Oh no, no, not one good qualifying. <laughs> a great qualifying where driving was, you know, the the standard. It wasn't about the car. It was about him, and he's had you know, a good part of the season now 
to develop. I mean, people expected him to come in and just be brilliant straight away. No, of course not. That's ridiculous. I think now we're starting to see the 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 talent come through. Yeah, it was always going to take time for him to get to a decent position, but I, I think this is an important weekend. It proves to him that he can be good in quality. What's the chat room up to there, Nick? Uh, Peter Goodchild is saying that Lewis Hamilton's driving is as otherworldly as his poetry. Oh, no. And Joshua Clare is confirming, uh, I believe he was at the race. He says that the that the, tifo- the Tifosi were cheering every time they saw a Ferrari all weekend. It was totally crazy. All right, then let's get to Hamilton, Jake, because uh, that's not just the car, is it? That is something special. You can say he's got the best car on the grid, and you can say that's one of the top downforce packages on the grid, but blowing away the field by more than a second and being very far ahead of his teammate, it, that was an incredible lap to become the all-time highest pole sitter. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And I'm getting a little bit fed up, actually, of watching all these keyboard warriors on social media basically saying, oh, well, the only reason Lewis Hamilton is winning things is because he's in the best car. Hello, Michael Schumacher got 68 pole positions because he was in the best car for him at the time. And that's how Ayrton Senna got all of his. That's how Alain Prost got all of his. Get over it. I think people are being ridiculously naive now to suggest that Lewis Hamilton isn't one of the greatest of all time. You just need to settle it with yourself. Get over it. Every driver that gets records and victories and pole positions in Formula One gets it with the best car. Dream on. You just kind of have to reason with yourself and go, you know, he has to be one of the greatest. You don't get 69 pole positions in your career by accident. You certainly don't get 59 Formula One victories in your career by accident, which he now has. I think if you're still trying to suggest, oh, he's not one of the greatest of all time, I think you're just kidding yourourselves. Get over it. He is. Brian, I'm sure you've got something to say about that. Goat Hamilton, greatest of all time. He is definitely a far better uh, race driver than he is a uh, poet and musician. Uh, because, oh, yes. I mean, it was so I mean, bad. Hats, hats off to anyone who actually managed to survive the entire poem I gave up after two lines, to be honest. But, <laughs> um, I, I, Ryan, uh, I'll just stop you there because I read all of it and there's probably not a bigger Lewis Hamilton fan than I on this panel, certainly. And that was terrible. But it's not just the terribleness of the poem or that someone would be moved to do such a thing it's the fact is if you're a millionaire surely you can just hire a dude to totally proofread everything that you put out on social media (laughs) a lot of weird errors on that poem now if you look at my social media you'll know that i am not a fancy millionaire and i don't have anyone my errors just go wild uh, into the internet yeah well what what I'd like to go on from what Jake was saying is, I mean, yeah, uh, Lewis is an awesome driver, but I'd like him to sort of see him do a Schumacher and go to a team that has still got potential of winning and sort of bring him back to winning ways. You mean uh, like did a Mercedes? Yeah, I was just going to say, he did do yeah, that. Well, no, he didn't, yeah. he didn't really, because he moved to Mercedes knowing that they were going to have a good car when it came to the hybrid era. It wasn't sort of like he went there and sort of nursed the car to, uh, to victory. It was sort of he went there knowing that they were going to have a good package come the hybrid era. How did he know that? I mean, you never know until you actually get in the car and drive it and see how it goes in testing and that was a year after he joined the team i i don't know you can say that for definite it was fairly obvious everyone knew he's going to mercedes because they're gonna have a good package everyone knew they were gonna have a good package come the hybrid era i don't don't know you can argue that because ferrari and renault had those engines coming in at the same time i don't think you can argue that okay i i don't want to stir this pot too much but i think hamilton had an idea of how the car would be 
is Nicky Lauda was uh, whispering sweet nothings in his ear. The Red Bulls, though, Jake, were absolutely phenomenal. We were robbed of uh, a great race. And who knows where that pace came from? Because it was there in the dry. It was there in the wet. Sebastian Vettel loves telling people there's no real difference between the dry and the wet setup. A, what made Red Bull so special? And B, do you have a problem with these grid penalties? Uh, do you know what? I genuinely don't know the answer to your first question. I don't know why Red Bull was so strong. I think I've, I've always said it's because of how good the chassis is, but that doesn't make up for the Renault engine, which is still a little bit deficient on power compared to Renault and Ferrari. So, yeah, what kind of magical, mystical, dark powers has Adrian Newey been cooking with recently to make the Red Bull as good as it is? I think what that really showed for me is that why on earth hasn't Ferrari tried to get Daniel Ricciardo sooner? You know, Ricciardo is just such an incredible driver. He proved it again today. Ferrari are absolutely kidding themselves if they think they're going to win the Constructors' Championship with Kimi Raikkonen as partner to Vettel. It just ain't going to happen. Um, in terms of, what was your second question? I just uh, wanted to answer that one. Grid penalties. I want to hear, hear from you and Chris, because I'm not sure I, I see the big deal. I think we have a set of rules that says you have to have reliability and you have to have only four engines throughout the course of the season and parts thereof. Now, I don't agree with that rule. I, I think you could probably save money by having an engine formula that allowed you to have more engines. However, that is the rule. It's the same for everyone else. Therefore, if you don't want to take care and make an engine that is definitely going to last a quarter of the season, then you're going to get engine penalties. And it's the same for everyone. I, I agree that there should be penalties. And if that's what the regulations state, you know, you have to run to through the season, then yes, you definitely should be given penalties. I don't think it should be race driver penalties for grids. I think it should be constructors championship points. Okay, I but, think that's the way but, to do it. Okay. But by that logic, then should, uh, should the team still get the constructors points every time the driver bins it in the wall? Because the dri driver was the one who made the mistake, but we'll give the team the points anyway, because they did a good job. It was the driver who binned it. It's a team sport. You win and lose as a team i agree with the concept of the engine penalties but at the moment it's, it's it's a little bit ridiculous and also logistically it won't work in that it relies on the teams caring about the championship table all throughout the season so they could decide that getting their driver to win the title was more important than getting championship points that they've already wrapped up a title or they're out of it. So I'm not quite sure how that works. I think the real problem is the regulation. And, and let's get rid of reliability, Jake, as, as such a major factor. It's not an endurance race. It's a two-hour F1 sprint race. Yeah, absolutely right. And you actually take the words right out of my mouth there. You know, the Formula One World Championship is trying too much to be the World Endurance Championship with this regulation. It isn't the World Endurance Championship. You know, it should be about pushing the car to the extremes. That was the gold point of the 90s when you had you know Schumacher Hill, Alacy, Berger, Hakkinen pushing it absolutely to the limit and the car would just die the engine would blow and that was amazing you know I, I, I do feel that you know if you punish a driver when an engine blows you know how much can you actually penalize them for it but then I don't know what the answer is either. Well then let's see if I, Ryan does know. I think what they should do is they should find the engine supplier so every time an engine goes uh, that is supplied by, say, Mercedes or Honda, I mean, they'd have a huge bill. But uh, every time, say, a Honda engines goes, Honda get the bill. They get a fine because their engine isn't performing to what it should be doing. Christopher Fonseca in the chat room is suggesting that grid penalties should be enforced by distance. 
That way Alonzo could start the, at the front of the grid, yes. but on lap negative one. <laughs> I like that because everyone makes that joke every single race of, oh, looks like they're going to be starting from name nearest town. Uh, so yeah, why not make it actually by distance? And it, it was interesting that with so many people getting grid penalties, you actually could not work it out yourself because it was based on if someone had level grid penalties it was based on when they went out in practice. So the Red Bulls made sure they were the first car out in FP1, just so that if they had equal points with anyone, they would still start ahead. Of course, that didn't help Ricciardo at the start of the race. Uh, and your boys as well there, uh, Nick, they compromised their setup somewhat. Uh, perhaps I think people were saying they trimmed downforce to try and help them on those Monza straights. Of course, that would have murdered them in qualifying. Right. Uh, and I think... That may be what happened. I mean, they did not have the best qualifying by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, if you were a casual observer and you were watching in Q2, which was amazing in the changing conditions, you may have thought for 10, 15 minutes there that Vettel was actually on it, but it was actually that he was just moving to the top of the timesheets because the track was drying. And I, and I love watching that. And this is where, Ryan, we really miss someone like Murray Walker to get really, really excited before someone calmly lays out what's actually going on. He'd be getting excited generally over watching a replay, uh, thinking it was live. <laughs> uh, qualifying was just ridiculous. Um, one thing we also learned is this weekend is that Haas drivers just, I think it's just the Haas. Being in Haas makes you a very angry person. Uh, one fantastic comment was from Red Bull's Helmet Marco, Jake. Is that what you're about to come at me with? It, it wasn't. I was just going to comment the fact that Haas is a NASCAR team, in essence, so basically, their racing drivers are behaving like NASCAR drivers. Is that an unfair comment? I don't know. Well, I'm going to say yes, it is an unfair comment. But okay. uh, Helmut Marco came out and said, I can't believe they've stopped qualifying just because Grosjean fell off. Grosjean falls off all the time. All right, let's go to the race. Well, normally this is the part where Matt tells us where the race was won and lost. But I guess we're just going to have to struggle on by. There was a few distinct races uh, on the track today Chris it wasn't particularly explosive but it was fascinating to watch the various battles unfold basically we had Mercedes versus Vettel we had Kimi Raikkonen Ocon Stroll for a lot of that race we had the Williams versus Force India championship battle and then we had the Red Bulls at the back versus the midfield yeah, it was actually a, a really interesting race from my point of view. A lot of fans have been saying it's one of the dullest races they've ever seen. Really? I do not agree with such uh, a sentiment. That's all the ones I've seen. Anyway, um, but um, I'll tell you what, I'll do uh, Matt's job and tell you exactly where the race uh, was won. And it was won in qualifying, basically. As soon as Lewis bagged pole position and had the likes of Stroll and Ocon between him and his championship uh, rivals, then really that was his race. It was always going to take them a few laps for Bottas and Vettel to to come by them. And um, by that time, Lewis had already got a nice gap. So uh, that was pretty much... Uh, exactly. I think by the time anyway. Vettel had gotten through the, the, the Strolls and the Ocons and his own teammate, somehow he managed to get past Kimi, heroic overtaking manoeuvre into the second chicane. Uh, no, Kimi very much let him through once he was unable to get past Bottas. But once that Vettel got the through... legitimate fake move I've ever seen. <laughs> Actually, I thought he was going to hold him off at one point before they went into Lesmo's 1-2. But, uh, but then, he, then he did get past eventually. But the gap was eight seconds to the Mercedes by the time that was all over. So even if they'd have had the pace, it would have been easy enough, I think, for the Mercedes 
to have managed that pace. Yeah, Ferrari uh, really dropped the ball and they've admitted as much. I think the word Marchione used was screwed up um, because they were really struggling with the setup on Friday. And uh, crucially, they lost Saturday morning to try and work out um, those problems because it was rained off. And so that's what they're pretty much putting down uh, a lot of their their issues to. And uh, especially uh, Sebastian Vettel, this was never caught on, on the cameras, but um, Seb Vettel went off at the first chicane went through the um, escape road and he said that uh, he uh, did some damage to his steering uh, in the process and he was not able to trust the car, especially on the brakes, which is especially crucial around Monza. You got two or three of your biggest braking zones of the season there. And uh, so that would that'd be why we ended up with the massive half minute gap between Mercedes and um, Ferrari in, in, in this race. So I, I think that the results on paper are a little bit skewed. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm not sure why we're too surprised that Ferrari were off the pace compared to Mercedes this weekend, because we always knew that it was going to come down to power, which is something that Mercedes have got in buckets, whereas Ferrari were always going to struggle. But considering that, Ferrari were actually nowhere near as bad as I expected they were going to be. I mean, Vettel was only, what, seven seconds behind the Mercedes at the finish? Uh, So to be fair to Ferrari, you know, they've actually saved their bacon a little bit there by bringing their cars home in third position and I think fifth as well with the other one, Raikkonen. So they, they've actually saved themselves an awful lot of hassle. I thought they were going to be worse than they were. So fair play to Ferrari for saving it. Nah, it couldn't have been worse. That was a huge mental blow for Mercedes. And in the green room at the end, Vettel saying, you weren't pushing, were you? It's like, no, we weren't pushing. And we were 36 seconds ahead of you. You know, and we turned, I think it was lap 20 that they turned the power down. I think that is a huge mental blow, even if that is not particularly a Ferrari circuit. But they were still third, you know. I mean, even up to the point when they turned the engines down, they were still third. They were still beating everybody else. So at the end of the day, in the championship fight that they're currently in, as long as they're finishing behind the Mercedes, okay, they finished half a minute behind them at Monza, but they still scored the same amount of points if they were just sat behind them in a normal racing situation. They still, in terms of the championship, they didn't do too bad there. Ah, which championship though? Because Ferrari want that driver title and it will have been a blow to see if Mercedes stretch out that advantage to the point where Bottas can be ahead of Vettel as well. That harms Vettel's chances, chances a lot. Nick, uh, what's going on in yeah. the chat? You, you are getting my attention. Yep. So just as a second place for Ferrari was practically a win at Spa, Joshua Clare in the chat room says that the Ferrari is clearly the better car because they were only 32 seconds behind Mercedes <laughs> at Monza. <laughs> wow. Now that is some next level fanboyism. I'm going to give him the credit of thinking he's joking. But yes, we, we gave Ferrari the win last week for being nearly there. That's good enough. And this week we can say, yeah, yeah, they've they've salvaged some kind of victory from only being 36 seconds behind a Mercedes car that has turned its engine down, Chris. But Spanners, is it really surprising? that the team with the best engine on the grid won at the two most power-sensitive circuits of the season. No, not at all. That margin of victory is somewhat disappointing. So when we... Okay, so when we go to the next few tracks like uh, Singapore, Japan, all the all the rest of the, the, the season that we've got going on ahead, you know, because people are looking at these last two races and thinking that Mercedes are going to pretty much dominate the end of the season now, and I just cannot see that happening whatsoever because this is still very much there's there's still a pendulum swinging in this championship there is and i think that definitely you're right about uh, singapore we are probably going to see a pendulum swing back there but again 
you see, when when the when they are close somewhere, as I believe they will be in Singapore, if Ferrari are off their game and Mercedes are on it, then Mercedes will pick up the win or split the Ferraris. Whereas here, there was nothing. Ferrari were completely helpless to do anything. We don't even know if Mercedes had a good race, to be fair. Yeah, and uh, with Singapore, uh, you know, it's sort of it's one of those odd uh, odd circuits because uh, obviously it's a street circuit, so we can see Red Bull coming into play because uh, Ricardo uh, was very close to the victory last season. Um, uh, so yeah, we could definitely see uh, Red Bull up there, and who knows? Uh, you know, we might see a very happy McLaren up there, but I very much doubt that. You know, they. For, for McLaren, they'll probably get affected by the tram or the train going underneath the track and like losing gears and stuff. But now, um, uh, listen in, listen in next Sunday if you're a McLaren fan and want to know about their future. We have a lawyer coming on to talk to us. And if an announcement has not been made midweek, I think you will find that very, very interesting. If not, we will be able to do a good analysis of any, uh, any news that comes out of the McLaren engine uh, story. All right. Uh, let's move on a little bit, Chris, because that, that wasn't the only race and the only battle that was going on in this field. There was a great scrap behind them between the two rookies and Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah, it was a, it was a good one, uh, wasn't it? And it ultimately ended up being the, the Williams Force India um, battle uh, as well. And frankly, I'm surprised it took Kimi um, so long to get uh, past those two. But uh, if you go back what we're saying, Ferrari struggling with the setup, Mercedes best engine, then yeah, actually, maybe that does uh, add up a little bit um, better. But I'm very impressed with what Esteban and, and Lance um, did today. They were way out of position and they both came home with, with two very strong results. Okay, well, let's talk about Stroll because he was told apparently by Williams, don't worry, just go for it, go for it at the start. And I think Williams would have absolutely loved to have seen their car ahead going off and disappearing into the back end of the Monza circuit, even if it was only temporary. And of course, that would have meant that he was less vulnerable to Ocon, who he probably could have held off had he got ahead. But as it turns out, he was actually very cautious, Jake, into that turn one. And I bet it was in his mind, which was, you've done really well here. Don't ruin it by being the thing that is a big championship decider i.e taking out lewis hamilton into turn one yeah i think if we were talking about him in his third or fourth season he would so have gone for it he would so have gone do you know what i am going to chuck it down the inside and see what happens but to be fair you know a lot of people have criticized him for driving erratically for not reading a situation very sensibly considering that he only lost one place into the first corner and lost it to ocon who he could actually have a decent race with and did i think he handled himself very well in the situation and to be honest it's more of an argument to suggest that he's actually growing in maturity and stature than not capable of being a Formula One driver. I think he really impressed this weekend, to be fair. And OK, he fell back. But he was always going to. The fact that he didn't do it as fast as he did, you know, he actually gave it some good gusto. I was really impressed, to be fair. Well, the thing is, his initial getaway was actually pretty good. He was actually pulling up alongside Hamilton, but then obviously... Yeah. Uh, Hamilton uh, then covered him off. and uh, He I did think, the Schumacher know... switch, didn't he? He did the Schumacher slide. He was, uh, you know, fair enough, fair enough to him. Uh, as much as I wanted to see him go wheel to wheel with uh, Hamilton through the first corner, yes, it, he wouldn't have come off on top. Hamilton would have, but I think, you know, fair enough. Keep the keep the thing intact. Absolutely, I think that that's the best he he could have done in that situation. And we actually really got to see him racing right up front. Uh, but Chris, once 
Kimi lost the opportunity to get past Bottas. He really, really had to concede that position and he fell into that battle as well. And wasn't it strange seeing Sebastian Vettel cut through those guys as if they weren't there, yet just so disappointingly for his massive deluded fans, he couldn't do the same thing? I suppose it does call into <laughs> question uh, a, a little bit Kimmy's ability, but Seb's always uh, been maybe one of those guys that can uh, handle a, a less than perfect uh, car more so than Kimmy. I mean, we know one of Kimmy's biggest struggles over the last few years is that the car just hasn't been quite attuned to his uh, suiting, uh, and maybe that was more of an impact um, today than than ever. Oh, the Kimi thing is absolutely hilarious. It, Ferrari re-signing him and then him doing this today is a bit like having, you know, an aging, an aging lawyer at one of the big Chicago law firms. You re-sign him for another five years on the board and then you just spends the next six months, you know, wandering around in his underwear in the office, you know, looking absolutely <laughs> disgraceful. I can't believe Ferrari is sticking with him. I just cannot believe it. It's not possible to win the Constructors' Championship with Kimi Raikkonen on your team. Well, Forget tell you what, about it. Forget I, I, about it. I'll tell you what, though, Nick. When they re-signed Vettel and said a three-year deal, all I was thinking was, oh, Kimmy will be 40 by then. <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully they'll find another suitable number two driver for the back <laughs> two years of that contract. Um, Matt Trumpets has showed up in the chat room, Who? which is kind of derailing things. People are asking him where the race was won and lost. <laughs> and uh, Baja has made a very good point that uh, Red Bull has saved Ferrari from having an even more embarrassing weekend by getting grid penalties and getting out of the way at the start. Absolutely. Okay, then. Well, let's move on then, because Kimi tried the undercut, Chris, which is damning in itself that he needed that undercut to get past the guys that you know his teammates sliced through as if they weren't there. And it, it worked a little bit because Stroll, uncharacteristically for Williams, had a poor stop that put him out behind Kimi Raikkonen and to the back of that little train. Yeah, I mean, when when you when you're stuck behind a car for so long, you run out of options other than to pull the trigger on the strategy, and uh, that's exactly what Ferrari did. It's what they've been quite good at uh, this season, and uh, you know it, it did work. It got him ahead of one car, uh, and he managed to get the job done on the other. And if nothing else, it told them how the harder tyre was going to function. So that basically, we've reduced Kimi Raikkonen's role to in-race tyre tester for Sebastian Vettel. Well, they they kind of knew that the soft tyre was going to be working quite well because it did perform very well uh, during Friday practice, and we had seen uh, both the Red Bulls doing uh, quite well at the start of the race on the soft tyre. I say both the Red Bulls, Daniel Ricciardo and Max Verstappen before he got his puncture. I, I would argue that Kimmy has not been reduced to the role of uh, in-race tire tester for Seb because he's already been doing that role for the last year or two at least. He always has been uh, the person to get the second strategy, well, so to Well, speak. For, for, to start with, what they started doing was pitting him first or leaving him out a really long time to block uh, their rivals before, you know, once they'd made their pit stop. You know, he'd fall behind the early battle and say so they'd leave him out and have him sat there for Lewis Hamilton uh, as he came out of the pit to slow him down for a lap or two. But now he can't do that because he failed to do that completely in Spa. Now he's been reduced to just finding any kind of useful space. And I really do fear that his lack of pace is going to make him useless towards the end of this season. And I dread to think what it's going to be like next season. Would it be possible at all to replace him next season? <laughs> Should it get really dreadful? 
Well, who knows? Who knows? You're going to have the young Leclerc in a Sauber, hungry, and perhaps if we can see him prove himself, you know, the summer might be a good time for the Finn to take an early, early retirement from Formula One. Uh, sorry, Kimi Raikkonen fans, but even you guys must be now thinking how much better it would be if you could just remember his career, you know, as it was and not going off the same cliff that Massa seems to have gone off. Uh, okay, so we've lost about a thousand listeners a week there. Uh, uh, what, what about the Red Bull battle versus the rest of the field? Uh, you could say Max Verstappen, Chris, has been very, very unlucky. But, and I'm going to lose our Dutch audience now, he's not helped himself this week. And there are still question marks, I think, over his very aggressive driver style. He obviously takes a gamble. And sometimes that isn't going to pay off. Yeah, I no, I 100% agree. I mean, first lap, astonishing made fantastic progress through the field and was pretty much looking at a, a, a P4 uh, finish. And, you know, you'd, you'd have to say if uh, if he'd have done Ricardo's strategy, maybe he would have been the one ending up on uh, the podium. Um, but that movie put on Massa, I think he maybe took an unnecessary risk. We'll find out in whose fault is this. Ryan? Well, well that's the thing. Obviously, Verstappen is ridiculously quick and he is definitely hugely talented but that's where this is where he falls uh you know shy of ricardo is that he's he's not a reliable driver in the sense that he will put the car uh on the line but then he'll end up doing something that involves you know losing the front wing where ricardo won't do that sort of thing Yep, I think that's a, that's a fair assessment. And yes, uh, please feel free always to email me at spannersready at gmail.com. I love having email conversations with you guys. If you don't want to come at me publicly on Twitter, you can do at spannersready and the show at Mist Apex F1. I always love hearing about your opinions. So just to finish off that little series of battles we were looking at, Chris, uh, Stroll ultimately, he had the pace, I think, today. But he lacked the aggression. He just, he, you saw him stick his nose out and then he just go, nah. And I think you could just see him thinking, take the points, take the points, take the points. I agree. I mean, he was lined up for a, a great finish today, no matter what um, happened. So long as he kept, kept it on the black stuff, then he was going to come away with a really strong finish. And I, I just think he didn't want to take any un, unnecessary uh, risks. And I think he, he's, he's right to do so because he has, you know, had a few, incidents here and there and that's all down to to confidence basically and that will come with with time and we're already seeing that develop across the season and i think it's only going to get better and better for him uh baja in the chat room is pointing out that max lives by the famous senna quote if there is a space he goes for it and anders says that uh it was massa who was all over the place today and i think i might agree with that i think Max might be a little bit overly aggressive in general, but uh, maybe today it was not his fault. Well, we'll get to whose fault is this, Jake. I was just going to say, well done to Felipe Master for looking like a Formula E driver today, because that's what he wants to do when Formula One finishes for him. So, yeah, he was doing a great audition of it today, wasn't well, he? He was everywhere, yeah. all over the place. He features Chris twice. Stevens in... resembles that remark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he features twice in the whose fault is this section. So, yeah. And speaking of Chris Stevens. Chris, I know I sometimes give you a bit of a hard time, but that's because you're pathetically young and terrible at go-karting. However, your career is looking half decent. How are things going at your end? 
pretty uh, well, I'd say, at the moment. I am back on autosport uh, duties uh, at the weekend. I'm going to Rockingham, another circuit that I'm making a first-time visit to uh, with the 750 Motor Club once again. Uh, it's my last official uh, Nat Rep gig with autosport uh, this year, uh, for the for the moment anyway. Um, then something might pop up um you never know but at the moment yeah this is going to be my last one uh, of the year is that because you're not good enough and they've decided not to keep you on or what <laughs> it's because they've uh they, they've got someone far far better and more experienced uh Aww. than me to to do the final two rounds no it's fine it's, it's also uh there's, there's a lot of factors involved mainly like things like costs and um logistics as well because uh some of these other tracks are in very hard to reach um places fair enough so i think it's worth noting to anyone who's listening that chris stevens is young and therefore will work for very very little please consider him for your reporting gigs is that fair to say chris you'd pretty much work for sandwiches at this point uh i'll, I'll take anything no i mean <laughs> Well, that makes me sound desperate. No. Well, it is. And until you get to the stature of the likes of Jake Stevens. Jake Stevens? Wow, I've gone mad there. (laughs) (laughs) How could you insult Jake like that? I know, it's bad. Until you get to the lofty ranks of people like Jake Sanson. What are you up to, Jake? I thought you were going to say, you know, it's it's really harsh to criticise Chris Stevens like that. He's way sexier than me. Um, Anyway... Uh, I have been on the commentary trail this weekend. I've been down at Butmore Park in Kent uh, with the Birrell Art UK Karting Series. Uh, we had our sixth round of the championship and we had most of the championships ending up getting a lot closer because Butmore Park is a bit like wrestling for cars. It's really, really tough to uh, go around the circuit. And I actually drove a 125cc Birrell Art UK Series kart yesterday and it was literally like being shot out of a cannon. It's ridiculously fast. If you think the Daytona D-Max karts are fast... These things are like three times as fast. It's insane how quick the acceleration is. And they let you loose in one of those things. Firstly, that poor cart. Uh, And secondly, did you actually manage to keep it pointing forwards? You're going to giggle because uh, Ken Churchill, one of the drivers, actually let me drive the cart. So it had nothing to do with the championship organisers. And uh, to be fair, it was so fast and I couldn't quite fit in the seat because my bum's quite big. And I couldn't quite feel the the, the skill of it all. I lasted a lap and a half before my rib said, if you push this, I will snap in half. So don't do it. So I I only managed about a lap and a half at every one time. I was embarrassingly poor and there will be much uh, ribbing of me on Facebook in the morning. Oh, how I wish there was video. All right, let's move on to my favourite bit of the show. Whose fault is it? This section and this week's podcast is brought to you by Apex Race Manager. It's an exciting and challenging Formula One race. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Strategy game available on Android and iOS. You don't drive the car. You make decisions about pitting in race, tire choice, driver aggression. Uh, you can balance the fuel use with your lap times. You choose your strategy. You optimize your car and you race to win the championship. Uh, the guys who made uh, Apex Race Manager, who are our podcast partners this week, gave me a code because it is a free to play game. You get a season free and you can then pay £4 for the full pro version. Uh, otherwise, the season's just reset. And I have to say, this has become my current go-to uh, Android app to have a quick little break from work. It's it's remarkably uh, engaging. I used to waste hours and hours and hours on the old football championship manager. And this very much reminded me of that. Because at first I was thinking, you know, you're not, you're not racing the car. So what possible thrill could you get about watching your car until you start to see people starting to overtake you and get past you? And, and you think, oh, not Ocon. Oh, surely Ocon's not getting past me in this situation. Uh, and then, you you know, you whack the... The, the aggression up and he ends up spinning off. But anyway, this is a game that has kept me engaged. And I think basically having a, a free one season trial before committing to the four pound version of the full game is about right. If you don't like this game after one season and you don't want to continue your career, fair enough. That's not the game for you. But I think that you've had a good long look at it. And once you pay your four quid, that's absolutely it. So yes, I can recommend go and check out Apex Race Manager on Android or iOS. Now, I actually have a few codes to give away for that full pro version. So why don't you, if you want to win those, tweet me using the hashtag MissedApexManager because of the nice coincidence between the app and this podcast name. Hashtag MissedApexManager and tell me who is your least favorite member of the Missed Apex panel. No explanation required. Just tell me who is your least favorite person that appears on this show. That's Apex Race Manager, available on iOS and Android. Whose fault is it? Jake's hiding in his hoodie. He's got a suspicion it's going to be him. All right, so whose fault is this? Lap three, Max Verstappen was on the outside with Felipe Massa coming in down turn one. Chris Stevens, why don't you lead us off with this? Who do you think is to blame? It's a chicane. The guy on the inside took both apexes basically um you're not gonna like me for this it was both of their faults no uh, no i inf- oh hang on a minute no i don't mind that i don't like it when they go oh it's just a racing incident it's no one's fault really if you want to apportion significant and humiliating blame to both of them i could sort of get on board with that okay i'm i'm gonna both 
say that they did. I don't. I, 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 Felipe had every right to shove Max off the track because it's his corner, uh, and Max. At the same time, yeah, he, it, it was a move he could well have made if Massa had given him the space. But then at the same time, I think maybe he should have um, backed out of it once he realized what Felipe was, was doing. Felipe locked up as well. So again, you could say that that was a mistake on his part. But I, th- I think Max was taking, uh, taking an unnecessary risk. After making a really strong start, he didn't have to take a risk like that so early into the Grand Prix. Jake, do you have an opinion on that? Oh, Ryan. No, who are you waving at, Ryan? You're waving at Jake to wake him up. I was waving at Jake to wake <laughs> oh. up. Usually it's, usually it's me that's got to wake up, but you know. Do you know what? I'm going to forgive Jake because he was tippy-tapping away in the chat room. It's listener engagement. We don't mind that. Uh, difficult. Massa was being a bit ridiculous all over the place today, but then so was Verstappen. Uh, can we just slap the pair of them and tell them both to get on with it? No, you have to assign blame. That's the whole point. Oh, okay. Um, Verstappen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But Verstappen really should be backing out of a chicane like that. I'm really sorry. But yeah, he should. I'm sorry. Spanners is applying makeup to himself. Yes. Just in the T-zones. Okay. In the T-zone. He even knows. <laughs> no, you you have to understand this about Spanners. Not only does he know what T-zones are, he's a major musical fan. I outed him on Pitboard. I, I totally did. But so am I. But I'm sorry. I, I think you're the sparkle here now, Spanners. Yeah. Spanners sparkle. No, he's applying the powder so that he doesn't sparkle. <laughs> <laughs> it's all for you, live stream. <laughs> so he doesn't look like a ghost on stage. It's not a stage, it's a virtual live stream. But I have an opinion on this, because this move is very similar to the one I pulled on our patron, Manny Gonzalez, when we went go-karting at Daytona. And the fact is, people treat the chicane like two corners, where really, realistically, I think you need to treat it as one, with turn two being the exit of that first turn. Now, I would say that, because what happened is I went up the inside of uh, Manny, uh, on the first part of the chicane, just as Massa did. And that's the thing. If you are going to make that move, you've got to outbreak the car on the outside. If you outbreak the car on the outside, it's very, very difficult to then go all the way round the outside of that second turn. You've basically got to say, if that inside overtaking car has to go all the way round on turn two, then you may as well outlaw that kind of maneuver altogether. Otherwise, Chris, I think I agree with you. The corner was Massa's and Verstappen just wouldn't give it up. Yeah, and but at the same time, you know, he probably shouldn't have done. I think Massa locking up and getting too deep into the corner complicated uh, matters there. Had he been able to just make the corner, um, then that incident would not have happened. Massa made the corner. Massa made the corner, but if he hadn't have gone deep into the corner is what I'm trying to say. Had he made it properly. Okay, but is he obliged to take the second turn in any particular way and once he's kind of he's got passed on that first turn he's not then obliged to take a very wide line into turn two well if he had max still alongside him he would have had to have left him space but you can you know between apexes just give him a little nudge ryan i think you're going to agree with this that it was completely verstappen's fault uh yeah because you know i think uh say saying oh i think uh both were to blame is effectively looking in the thesaurus and saying, I think it's a racing instant. But uh, yeah, I, I think it was it was Verstappen's fault because, uh, you know, there wasn't really the gap was always 
disappearing. But I mean, you know, fair play for having a go. But at that certain opportunity, there wasn't much of an opportunity there. No, fair enough. Uh, I think I agree with that. A very similar battle uh, was the Alonso Palmer battle. And this got really, really intense. Who wants to kick us off with what on earth was going on with Alonso and Palmer? Right. Can I kick this off? Yes. Because if you'll if you notice that Palmer was given a five-second penalty for the incident. It's ridiculous. What? Only five seconds. Ridiculous. Well, it is ridiculous. What did it achieve? Nothing. It achieved nothing. Palmer made an illegal move on Alonso and he got to keep it. Because it pulls away five seconds and then the penalty is null and void. Might it co- might cost him later in the race, but Alonso's race is still being affected by that. And so I don't know why you can't just say to him, "Give him the place back." Well, yeah, um, there. Uh, I think it is was a bit stupid the fact that I mean, if it was uh, Palmer had overtaken Alonso and then made up another position, then five seconds, yeah, but they were still like the places with each other. Palmer should have given it back. But I think, you know, Alonso were going off on the radio. I think that's because, as uh, Hannah Hassel keeps alluding to, uh, Alonso has a button for the Honda complaint hotline. But I think um, they're very much like uh, British Telecom in the fact that they've put him on hold for three years. Uh, So uh, he's given up and now trying to find something else. Anna Hassel in the chat room suggests that this uh, spat actually began with the parade lap in which Alonzo's car broke down and he had to hitch a ride with Palmer. <laughs> uh, I've, I've got this weird conspiracy theory regarding the Palmer-Renault thing. Am I allowed to share it? Yes. I've got a very, very weird conspiracy theory. Uh, the whole thing with the Jolian Palmer thing is actually really, really lucrative to Renault F1 and the Renault brand in the UK because of the whole Renault Sport, you know, anytime there's a new Renault Sport brand like the Cleo Cup Junior or uh, their new Renault sports car that they're trying to develop for 2019, uh, they do all the testing secretly at MSV tracks which, of course, ah. Jonathan Palmer owns. So things like Bedford Autodrome in Great Britain, and they've got that new French one, Rianne Auton, or whatever it's called. Uh, they're doing stuff over there. And I think you'll find very, very sneakily that Jolian Palmer will be ousted from the Renault F1 team probably the end of this year to do something with the Renault programme. He'll probably end up there as their reserve driver or something next year. Uh, and you'll be suddenly very, very surprised to hear that Will Palmer, the younger brother, is suddenly uh-huh. part of the Renault Young Drivers Academy. How did that happen? I have no idea at all. Uh, and then eventually in about 2022, he'll end up as their driver as well. I think this is a long-term game plan. Fascinating and nearly on topic, but not yeah, nearly at all. Uh, so no. back to the Alonso Palmer incident. I actually don't think that rule is too far off. I mean, what do you want them to do? Do, do you want to follow Alonso's lead, Chris, and, and basically hang the bloke? I mean, five seconds, it it gets you back in touch. I think... If he had not, if he had not built that five second gap and and put Alonso ahead, I mean Alonso wasn't going to pass on track, so that five seconds was actually his only chance of getting the the place back, and he would have just been repassed anyway had Palmer been put behind him. But we have to, uh, you know, we can't just assume that all incidents like that are going to be exactly the same. You have to have a rule that fits everyone. So the rule that you apply to Alonso and Palmer. Yeah, the dodgy McLaren has got to be it, it applied in the exact same way if it happened between Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel. So you, we, if you remember back to Monaco when the one of the side was it Verline who was um, unsafely released into the path of Button and he got a five second penalty for it. But what what did that solve? 
they weren't going to serve any more uh, pit stops, and it just ca- it just gave them the the position. You know, Button's still stuck behind him, and this is exactly the same scenario. Alonso is still behind Palmer, who illegally took a position. So, answer your question, by the way, Spanners. It is one hundred percent Palmer's fault. Oh yeah, there was a question. You think it's one hundred percent Palmer's fault, even though we kind of decided that Verstappen was. So it's the guy on the outside of these chicanes. He has it, to yield, it's really. Tough. No, it's 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 tough. I mean, Alonso basically uh, played the move that Massa played, but a little bit more deliberately, in that he just shoved Palmer off the racetrack. But then Palmer went and took it into his own hands to just overtake him off the track, which he shouldn't have done. I've got a opinion on. Alonso's position. He's found himself in today. Would anyone like to hear it? Oh, yes. Do it. Okay, here we go. This is what I think. Nando, you're driving slow. Take a bad car and make it better. You could have been in a Ferrari today, but you messed up. Now you're in a Honda Nando Don't be so mad Don't take your anger Out on Palmer Just leave it Let Karma do her thing And hope Karma's forgotten Fernando Alonso Oh, the irony of Fernando Alonso talking hey, about hey, hey. karma. Where's the verse? Where's the verse? <laughs> we needed more. I felt like he'd had enough. But come on, Jake. The irony of a man who has had the most unlucky series of contracts that he's accepted and contracts that he's rejected talking loudly on TV about karma. It's quite funny, really, isn't it? I mean, Fernando Alonso and karma is quite a funny joke in and of itself. I just point you directly in the direction of 2008 Singapore. Hello, karma. Yeah, it's a isn't it? Uh, I don't know. It's it's a very, very funny. I need to redo that without that word, don't I? I've no, realized. I will just beep you out. Everyone has heard your beep of shame who is okay, listening to fine. this podcast. That's the first time I've ever beeped on your show. I'm terribly, terribly sorry. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's quite funny. Fernando Alonso behaving like a child. When haven't we seen that before? Oh, yes. Um, oh, by the so, way, yeah. a full credit for the idea of that cover goes to Paul Wright in our Patreon group. And just say, in general, the Patreon group helps me out so much in our Slack group with just like, hey, Spanners, that tweet you just did doesn't even read as any language. So we hope it's not English. Oh, Spanners, your website has fallen to bits. And in fact, one of the patrons has just taken over and just gone, your website is so bad, I'm just going to do it for you. So the Missed Apex podcast is now completely patron run. And also uh, just day-to-day talking about... um F1. The dream is always you find a forum, then it gets toxic, uh, or it's Twitter, or it's upsetting and stressful. And for some reason in there, with about 70 guys in there, it is never stressful. And it's the best place in the world to talk about Formula One. So thank you very much. And no, there's actually two ladies in there. So uh, yeah, thank you very much to you guys. Uh, You you do make being an F1 fan much more enjoyable. I I absolutely appreciate that. All right. So there was a couple of of other incidents, because Max Chris also had a little bit of a run-in with 
Kevin Magnuson, and he wasn't very happy. Now, this isn't really an incident as such. It's just that I thought we'd established that you can't move in the breaking zone now. This was this was Max's go-to move that was banned. They made a rule to stop him doing it, and he clearly, in the breaking zone, chopped across to the outside and, and cut Kevin Magnuson off. Yeah, I'm a little bit confused by what happened. First of all, it was just the most unnecessary thing to have happened all year. And I, I really don't know what Max was expecting there because Kevin was always going to be able to break later into that corner. Yeah, well, I was under the impression that uh, for some reason the FIA decided to uh, get rid of the rule, uh, the Verstappen rule as it was dubbed. Um, I don't know if it was the start of this season, just out of the blue. And uh, yeah, I, I think where uh, where this, what Verstappen did was a bit bit silly. He... the. Magnussen wasn't alongside uh, or had any portion of his car alongside Verstappen when he moved over. So I felt that Verstappen was well within his right to move over anyway. So, you know, it's another Haas driver just having a whinge because he's in a Haas, effectively. Cool. And then we had, unbelievably, the Williams cars kind of coming together and having a scrap at the end, Chris. My question would be, why? Why did that happen? Because they've been staring at the back of each other for half a race and they know it's the last lap. And that's what I, I like about, um, you know, Formula One at the moment. Yeah, it's quite hard to pass. So you spend half your Grand Prix lining up an overtake it means it's proper. Yeah, but Jake, it's team points. Their nearest rivals were breathing down their neck in the form of Ocon. Like, why wasn't someone on the radio going, stop, just stop? No, I think they obviously saw what happened to Force India at Spa and they basically had the Crocodile Dundee philosophy. You call that a collision? Now, this is a collision. They obviously decided, you know, inter-team politics were not dodgy enough between yeah, I know. and uh, Stroll. Let's let's give them something to talk about. Basically, hold my martini is what the Williams yeah, boys said. exactly. Yeah. It's quite funny because I don't think either of them really knew that neither of them was going to concede a position or space to them. It was quite funny. It's like, well, I'm going to get, no, oh, oh, you actually hit me twit what on earth are you playing at and uh yeah it was quite funny that the force indias very nearly benefited it was very amusing i'm gonna beep that to make it sound like you said a rude word even though I you didn't, didn't. <laughs> i didn't um, you're gonna make me out to be a very very shouty sweary bloke and i'm really not mother i'm really not you know who's the worst that- for it after a beer is ryan ferret ferris ryan why don't you tell us what you're up to at the moment and where people can find you online uh, you can find me apart from in the dungeon that is my bedroom. Uh, you can find, <laughs> you can find me, uh, on Twitter at ferret115. That is it, not et. Excellent. And let's catch up with new boy, Nick Alexander. How have you found the experience of looking after our chat room or our shed? How have you found being shedhead? I'm kind of cross eyed, like, cause I'm trying to look at you for cues and I'm trying to look over for the. <laughs> room and there's some crazy tangents going on about doctor who and food and all that kind of stuff <laughs> I'm, I'm i think i'm doing my best fantastic well it's an absolute we'll find out when you uh, get your apex manager votes <laughs> absolutely oh you can totally vote for nick uh in or, the... or, or don't you, well i'm just saying you could do it's an option so use the hashtag hashtag missed apex manager and we will randomly it has to be said picks pick uh five i think i've got five codes 
so if you win that, I'll message you and tell me whether you're iOS or Android. Uh, Jake is actually spelled in the traditional way, J-A-K-E. Just, just for reference, in case, yeah. in case you need that. Uh, all right then. Uh, so where should we go? Oh, the podium. Well, now then, we've had a lot of people complaining about booing. Last season, Nico Rosberg got booed a lot. Uh, when I've been at Silverstone and I've been anywhere near Sebastian Vettel, I have also booed a lot. Sorry, Nick. I see it as pantomime. I see it as part of any sport. And if it's for sporting reasons, then I don't really see a problem with it. And in fact, it can add in my opinion, to the atmosphere of an event. Now, there's the kind of booing and jeering that, say, the Spanish football team fans do to certain England players, which wouldn't be acceptable. But what we saw at Monitor today, I don't think that's what that was, Jake. This was purely sporting booing. It was pantomime at its best. And Lewis Hamilton responded fantastically. Yeah, it was the ultimate, you know, return of serve, to coin a tennis phrase. He absolutely... (laughs) Absolutely knocked it out of the park. And to be fair to him, you know, he took it in very good sport, which I have to say, it was difficult really to watch that bit because you have to consider the fact that a day earlier he had taken pole position and was there thanking the Tafosi for being such good supporters of him and, you know, being really good sports. I really love the Italian fans here. I know they always go for people in red, but it's really nice to have such support. Yeah. A day later, it was like, no, we don't. It's a bit like when we had the London Olympics here. Yeah. And, you know, you had Jessica Ennis doing the clap thing and everybody joined in. And then the competitor from Liechtenstein right after her did the same thing. And we all just went, no, we're not <laughs> clapping along with you. No, you're not British. It was a bit like that. And it was you're absolutely right. It was pantomime. It was comical. It was funny. And Hamilton did exactly what he should have done. I actually gained a lot of respect for him in that moment. No, and it was good because I don't think he would have done that a few years ago. And he wouldn't have done that when he was tied up uh, in the quite toxic Rosberg-Hamilton team pairing. Uh, but for him to just say, first of all, his first bit of shade was fantastic and subtle because he just said, hey, you know, it's a great crowd here. So I, I don't mind. It's probably the best crowd, except maybe Silverstone. Oh, sick burn. Subtle yeah, sick burn. When, he, when he's driving for Ferrari in 2020, oh, how they will forget that they ever booed him. Oh, how they'll I, forget. I, I, can't, I can't do it. I can't have Lewis Hamilton going to Ferrari. That is the worst case scenario. It'll happen, though, because he's got this whole Ayrton Senna obsession thing and he knows that Senna would have finished his career at Ferrari if he joined them in 1995 and he wants to close. He wants that little bit of closure so that he can feel close to the memory of Ayrton Senna. He'll do it. It's That's how he's going to end his career. No multiple-time world champion would ever go to Ferrari to live the life of their idol. Come back to McLaren. They've got a Honda engine, I hear. That's true, actually. Yeah. Why hasn't he taken up that challenge? And that actually fulfills your prophecy, Ryan, from earlier on of going to a team that needs to restore its reputation. Well, hang on. It's McLaren. This is like full exactly. circle. And because I'm a McLaren uh, fan, I'm forced against my will to be a Hamilton fan if he comes back, you know. I so, tell you uh, what, <laughs> I tell you what, if Lewis Hamilton replaces Fernando Alonso at McLaren Honda someday, I will have so much respect for him. I will laugh every time he goes out onto the track and breaks down, but I will have so much respect for him. Yeah, oh, see, I'm, I'm, I'm on the opposite. If he ends up going to Ferrari, I think that's it. I will... I would just say that's the end of my Hamilton fandom. He's had a good career, wasn't that nice to enjoy, and then just, you know, find another driver to get behind emotionally. It would be like watching your wife 
wandering off holding hands with your worst enemy and then saying oh you hold my hand in such a such a much gentler and better way than than my husband i couldn't do it i couldn't watch it i might even just stop watching f1 it would be a travesty no i'm not having it i'm sorry sorry nick yeah well i think if hamilton came to ferrari then neither of us would be happy so we're, we're in agreement. <laughs> the second bit of shade was when uh, Lewis Hamilton, in the full corporate knowledge that all the Mercedes big wigs and bosses and board were there, just loudly went out in front of the Tifosi, bear in mind, and said, Mercedes power is definitely better than Ferrari power. Uh, I think that was a, a good response. So I think good to both sides. Uh, great from the passion from the Tifosi. Uh, well done for them for getting behind their guy and really enjoying their moment of the year. But also credit for Lewis Hamilton to giving it back with a smile on his face. So then let's move on to our awards. Chris Stevens, I forgot to cut out um, you singing a uh, thing of the week. So you're going to have to sing it again. Comment of the week. No, not comment of the week, dummy. Thing of oh, the wait, week. My wife, you're not my wife. My wife does comment of the week. We haven't played comment of the week thing in a while. No, which one are we looking for? Thing, thing of the week. Thing of the week. Jake, who's your thing of the week? Uh, my thing of the week has got to be Liberty Media for putting on that karting race on the start finish straight on Thursday. And more of the same, please. Chris Stevens, who's your thing of the week? Daniel Ricciardo made those dummy moves perfectly. He's a proper racer, isn't he, Ryan? Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I was more uh, thinking of the fact that he was uh, pulling jokes at two hundred mile an hour. You know, he because he uh, he likes them vulnerable. I hear, but uh, no, I am going to go for uh, uh, a certain Mister Stroll for one moment, thinking he was Senna during qualifying and managing to put it on the front row because of a few penalties. Well, it's a team effort, and his team didn't incur a grid penalty this week, whereas the Red Bulls did. So full credit to the William Stroll combo for on merit, even though some people see it as being default, on merit being on the front row of the grid. Hey, Nick, have you or the chat room got a thing of the week this weekend? I have got a thing of the week. My thing of the week was Sebastian Vettel driving for Ferrari on the podium, speaking Italian to the Fosi. It may not have been on the step that everybody wanted, but I think that will be a good memory for everybody that was there for a long time. And I think I will give my thing of the weekend to the Tifosi because they spiced up the podium. And without them, we wouldn't have had such drama and entertainment. It was fantastic. But now the bad thing. Oh, no, you missed the apex. Jake, who missed the apex this week for you? Uh, It's toss up. Uh, someone else is going to go for Massa. So I'm going to go for my other choice, which is the FIA for not letting them run on wet tyres when there are perfectly good wet tyres on the cars that you can put on when it's raining. We delay for two and a half hours because, oh, no, we don't like wet tyres on a wet No, the FIA, you failed. Deal oh, with it. Oh, man, I was stuck in a theme park and I was getting reports of it's not started yet. It's not started yet. And I was just really hoping they delay it till Saturday morning so I could I could watch it live. But, yeah, I'm sure in the olden days they had wet tyres that could drive in the, you know, wet. Every F1 driver on the grid used to run carts on slicks in wet conditions. That's worse than running wets on wet conditions. Stop being crybabies. Put them out on wet tyres in a wet session. We're men. Let's do it properly. Okay. Doing his best uh, Jeremy Clarkson impression right now. 
I don't care. Look, Jeremy Clarkson can be right once in his life, and that's the only thing he's right about. I'm not a sexist, racist bigot like him, but I will agree with him that wet tyres should be run on a wet track. It's as simple as that. Yes, I hear that allegedly some of his comments have been taken by some elements of society who are not Nist Apex podcast, SpannersReady.com, or any of its affiliates. Ryan. Allegedly. Well, you know, I think it's uh, where uh, we've been on Pirelli's. I think the Bridgestones would have uh, managed. But uh, I think, you know, I think I'm going to go for uh, Roman Grosjean because he didn't even make it to the apex. He just got on the straight and spun. Uh, So, yeah. Or maybe go for Haas because, you know, Haas just like to whinge and moan about stuff, it seems. There is a real whinging culture coming out of Haas. And I don't know if it's being generated by the drivers, but it's spread to Magnussen. I can't remember him being like that before or whether it's coming from within the team. But now Grosjean is not winning any friends and he's getting to that Alonso toxicity point where you have to wonder, do you want him in your team or have other teams got to the point where his reputation has just got to, we don't want someone like that who's always complaining, always blaming it on the car. Didn't he come out in the media though saying that he doesn't like the uh, uh, the television uh, people because uh, all they seem to do is uh, show his bad points uh, on team radio and never show any of the good side of him? Well, he's probably not making it that hard. Chris, who missed the apex for you? I'm also going to go with the FIA for the uh, grid penalties. The men, we only had one driver starting where he actually qualified. Why? So the FIA for the rules or for enforcing the penalties? Because one makes you right and one makes you stupid. For the no, not for enforcing the penalties, but for you know for 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 getting us into this position in the first place. Ah, darn! I wanted another excuse to call you stupid. I'll have to fall back well, yeah. on my memory of your karting. Well, yeah, I'll tell you what. Next time I uh, take a lesson with uh, Bradley, and then we'll then we'll talk. I looked at your lap times. There's no amount of lessons that are going to get you up in my league. All right, but. Well, <laughs> sick burn there, Chris. Nick, tone it down. Nick, you've uh, you've piped up. So, what was your missed Apex Award this week? And do the chat room have any suggestions? Uh, they're also going for Charlie Whiting and Roman Grosjean, but that has been covered. Uh, I'm going to go with Marcus Erickson because he was so far in the sea that when he retired. <laughs> That was actually the first mention of him that I had received in the entire race. I had completely forgotten his existence. Yep, he's pointless, and we all hate him. My My Mistake Pex Award goes to... It's not going to be popular, and I'm not doing this to be... uh, What's the word? Contrarian. I'm not doing it to be a contrarian, but it goes to Lance Stroll. And everyone is going to say, yes, it was brilliant that he got up onto the front row. And it was. Well done for him fantastic however out of any kind of context if you just looked at his racing performance in the race today he bottled it in turn one he bottled it many times trying to overtake Ocon and any other driver on that grid would have gone for it taken the place or you know had contact and gone out because provide context spanners yeah, but what, what are you going to do? What are we going to do? Are we just going to apologise for Stroll forever? Like, oh, that's quite a good race for Stroll. We can't oh, do that. Oh, my bones. He was just so frightened everywhere, wasn't he? No, no. You credit Stroll for the for the race he did and the dog of the car that he's got. No, we're when? not. We're crediting Stroll for doing well for someone who really has no business being in Formula One. Let's be honest. <laughs> my God, you are. this is so wrong. 
This is oh, you, just, you just said OMG. You have to. You have to censor that. Yeah, to censor that. <laughs> Look, he got caught by Massa. By Massa, he got caught. I don't see why people bash him so much. He's all—he's actually a, still a fairly decent driver. Who? Massa. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be amazing in Formula E next year. I was going to say, he will be really good. Oh. Inside, we don't know which Williams driver is being bashed. We have to ask for clarification. Can we clarify which terrible Williams driver? But, but you know, you know, my opinion is clear. Like I said last week, I think Williams, when it makes its next driver pick, that is them reclaiming their racing soul. Okay, fair enough. I'm not a businessman. I don't understand the sacrifices they had to make. Maybe getting Stroll on board was the only thing that made sense to be able to develop their car. But next year, they can't line up with Massa and Stroll. They just can't. Not if they want to be a proper racing team. I'm not saying they're not a proper racing team, but they're at risk. They're at risk of losing their, their racing soul. Um, where are we? Awards. Uh, a pony award. Daddy, I want a pony. And I want it now. Well, who wants to take the open goal on this one? Uh, I'm going to go for Jolian Palmer for being Jolian Palmer in the Jolian Palmer hissy fit show. He didn't even have a hissy fit, though, did he? They said, Jolian, we've got to retire the car. He, d- he did this. He went, oh, right. Yeah. As if like, oh, OK, that went a bit longer than normal. He's not even no. mad at retirements anymore. No, sorry. I, 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 I'm just joshing with you. It's Fernando Alonso, isn't it? I just wanted to see what you'd do if I said Jolian Palmer. No, it's Fernando Alonso, isn't it? Bless him. Oh, it's so bad. And the thing is, I think now we've got to the point where he has, if we hadn't burnt his bridges before as a driver that you would want in your team, I think he definitely has now, Chris. I mean, he's not going to be around next season, is he? That's that's just a, a given. Renault have got so many other drivers to to choose from. His choice or F1's choice? I think Formula One's choice. Um, Jolian had a he he was given a second chance this year to to show what he can do, and um, it's not enough. He's underdelivered. Any other ponies? You spanners, go on. You. What, what, uh, hang on, Chris. What do I, I get just, a pony for? You get a you get a pony for your stroll comment. Oh, oh the, the racing drivers aren't brilliant immediately because they're young. Oh, get out of it! In <laughs> <laughs> context for any races, the bar oh, is set so low because do you know what it is? Because he's a really nice bloke. Everything he comes yeah. across on the you can tell yeah. he's a genuinely nice dude. But <laughs> like that, you don't like that. It makes you feel bad about yourself. Or is it just all young people that you don't like? I mean, that's, I've that's that closer. Shows... Yeah, that's closer you, to the truth. Yeah. Taking a dislikening to me, I can tell. I don't know if other people have caught up on it, but. <laughs> Ryan, you young git. Uh, I was going to uh, say Hass, but is there just a permanent space uh, pony slot for them anyway? Fair enough. Uh, any ponies for you, Nick? Yes. Uh, so while we're back on the topic of terrible Williams drivers, They mentioned on the NBC broadcast that Jax Villeneuve has actually been asked to leave the Williams hospitality area for just bashing on Stroll too much. Oh, no. Give my pony award to him if I can. Wow. Yeah. I'm in danger of losing my presumably imminent invite to the Williams garage as well. But uh, okay, you know, good luck to him. And I don't want to be a hater, but I want to see something genuine where it's good for a driver in a Williams car, not just, hey, that's quite good for Lance Stroll. Uh, all right, guys, that brings us to the end of... <laughs> I didn't forget it. Yes, finally. Hold on. Comment of the week. Nick, you've marshaled the shed very well. 
for your money, who was the head of the shed? Well, you want a couple of front runners, right? Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, quite a while ago, Evangelist Eterocleitos said that there are species of butterflies in Central America with lifespans shorter than Ricciardo's first stint. Yeah, get off them boots back on the softs. Ooh, that's awesome. Hannah Hassel says that if you whinge, they will broadcast it. It's not rocket science. It's true. They bring it on themselves. And Rory McKay says, how sick was that? Stroll qualified P2 on merit. I know it okay. seems like a bit of a juxtaposition between my opinion of Stroll on the qualifying and of the race, but that's just how it fell. For you, though, who is the best chat room comment of this week? The last one from Rory. How sick was that for Stroll to qualify P2 and on merit? Comment of the week. Guys, stick with this feed because this week we are going to have a lot to listen to in and around the Mist Apex world. We're going to try very hard to catch up with Joe Sayward for Inside F1. We're also going to be talking to one of the country's top lawyers to find out exactly what is going on between McLaren and Honda. No one in that happy couple is looking forward to the divorce, and I think they're going to have to squabble over who gets Fernando Alonso and Stoffel van Dorn in the settlement. Yes, you have reached the targets that we were going for to get Matt Trumpets to do at least a monthly waffle cast. We far exceeded it, and we've been working very hard on Matt's producer setup. He can now produce waffle casts without me, and will be doing so this week. So we've got absolutely loads coming up. And on top of that, we will be launching our very first F2, F3 support series type podcast. We are going to have Alex Goldschmidt, I believe, podcasting it with another yet to be confirmed person. Until next time, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars and glory last forever. This was Mist Apex. survived another week the chat room's asking why we're not talking about alpha romeo sauber that just sounds crazy i thought sauber were having a peugeot engine that's the latest i'd heard i think i just lose track i lose track of who is coming in with which engine and whether that story is from formula one or formula e Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.